0: Amen, church. I can go in. What an incredible song. Can you say that today? Can you go in? When it is your time to pass from this earth, can you say with all certainty that you can go in for eternity with the Lord in heaven? Today, I want to introduce you to a man that felt just like the man Michaela sang about. In fact, she mentioned him in her song. A man whose life that had gone in a horrible direction. It was almost too late for him. Literally, it was almost too late for him. A man that defies what I would consider the rules and the logic of the religious today. A man that defies the conventional wisdom of the world around us as well. You might be here today. You might be watching this today. And you think it's too late for you. You might be here today and you think you're going in the wrong direction in your life. Let's look together here today at this man and see what you think after you've heard. As Jesus Christ hung on the cross, He's up on Calvary, we're introduced to the man for just a moment. If you turn to Matthew chapter 27... We start reading in verse 39 and they, passed, they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Did you catch him? Did you see the man we're speaking about today? Well, now turn over to Luke and we get to see a little bit more about this man. Dr. Luke gives us a a more complete look at him, starting in verse 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But, on the other, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, "Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we ask you to open our hearts to your word today and help us to see as we look at this man known as the thief on the cross, how it was almost too late for him, but how he defies the logic of what we see in this world today and in the religious circles of how we can go in as was sung about today. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We see this famous man known as the thief on the cross or the criminal on the cross. How in the world could a thief dying on the cross defy the religious and the world's wisdom? First, I want us to see today his situation. We're not given much about him. What we read is pretty much all there is to be read about this man. This man's history uh, uh, had a fateful day. We've got enough to see the situation in that aspect. This man was about to die. There's no doubt about it. He was on a cross and he is about to die. He was arrested by the Roman officials as a thief. And probably due to the nature of his punishment, there was some violence involved with that. And he received this severe punishment of crucifixion. Sentenced by death to crucifixion was one of the most painful and humiliating ways to die at that time. The Romans had perfected the violence of it, the pain of it, how to humiliate them in front of everyone in the city that he knew. Early that morning, this man was probably awakened by Roman soldiers that were quite angry. They picked him up and they told him, it's time to go. It is your last day here on earth. Now, we don't know if He carried His cross up to Calvary, the, the mountain called Golgotha, like Jesus did, but we do know this. Once He was outside the city of Jerusalem, they took Him on the hill and they laid the cross on the ground and they laid Him on top of that cross. Quickly, the Roman soldiers would have taken three nails, they would have stretched out his arms as far as he could go, and they would nail through his palms both of his hands to the cross. They would cross his feet and they would nail through his feet into that wood. The pain and the agony that you can imagine going with that. And as they raised that cross, there would have been a hole pre-dug for that cross. And as he's now writhing in pain from those, those nails piercing through his hands and through his feet, they would go up to the top and it would just jar down into that hole, stretching every muscle that he had and the excruciating pain as he winces in pain from this first drop into this. Being a man of violence and a man of theft, you can just guarantee this man's mouth was filled with, with cussing and cursing and, and anger as he lashes out to those soldiers and to those around him. In fact, Matthew and Mark's account tell us, as we read Matthew's account, that both he and the other, the other criminal, Jesus' cross was in the middle and on both sides were, were crosses of two criminals, two thieves. And it tells us there in Matthew and Mark that they they mocked him. They threw things into his face. They they said these things that they heard the chief priest yelling. And that isn't that always the way it is when we are in pain and that when we are we are hurting that we lash out at other people. It's one of those ways of getting it off of us and throwing it onto some per, some other person. And they heard the chief priest mock Jesus saying, "He saved others, Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross and we will believe. And He's the one that joined in with that. Both He and the other, the other criminal lashing out at Jesus in His pain, mocking Him. Now He's there. He's on the cross. There's no way off. He is there till He dies. A few minutes go by, maybe five or ten minutes go by, and he tries to move. And as he's stretched out there, he has to push up on his feet that are have the nails through them, and he is trying to gain a breath, and pain shoots through his body. Muscles are now cramping and he is staying there and he knows nothing is going to change. We're told that often crucifixions, a person would be on the cross for a couple days in that kind of pain. Eventually fever and infection would start to set in and would start to take over the mind and and the body and the flies would be over the person's body. And there was no way for them to remove it. I'm sure in his mind at this point, he's thinking, what have I done? What have I done? In his mind, it races through there, and in his pain, his conscience is now filled with regret. What have I done to myself? This might have been the way this man had always survived, by by stealing, and this time he just finally got caught. We don't know. This might have been a very selfish man, but by taking what he wanted in life and just going about his business. Or this is a man that maybe he was stealing to survive his own life or for those in his family. Either way, we don't know. We do know this. Death was getting closer for him. His mocking stopped. And the reality of who he was and what he had done hit him. We see a situation and now in this spot, we see his study of Jesus. He hears Jesus say, the verse that's on the screen, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus speaks seven times while he's on the cross, and this is the very first thing Jesus says to those that are, that are mocking him, those that are persecuting him, those that are crucifying him, and we see a change in this man when he hears this. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Verse 39 in chapter 23 of Luke, we see there that he tells now the other criminal. He tells him that the other one that's being crucified with him, that that had continued to rail on Jesus Christ, he yells at the thief, and he starts to own up for what he has done and who he was. He says, "'Dost thou not fear God?' Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, we indeed justly, we deserve this, for we, have re- we receive our due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. At that moment, he knew he was being condemned for the sin that he had committed. Due reward for his deed, he says. And he was right, because the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. It is both death physically, as he was dying, but as they would soon find out, it is death spiritually as well. And in view of Jesus Christ right there, he saw his deeds for what they were, sin, sin against God. Before anyone can truly be saved, they have to come under the conviction of sin. Realizing who we are. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in this man's life and the conviction of sin comes upon him. Judgment to come. And today, if you are living in your sin, I pray the Holy Spirit is convicting you at this moment to know you have sin in your life and you have sinned against a holy God. Well, how did this change happen in this man? He heard Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He looked over and he sees Jesus hanging on the cross, and here's a man that has been beaten to where he is almost unrecognizable. He sees a thorn of crowns, a crown of thorns, sorry, that was pushed on his head. He looks over and it says that it tells us in all the gospels that there's a sign posted above Jesus' head that read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus, Jesus, the name means Savior. His name means Savior. He heard Jesus say those words of forgiveness. And he's sitting there thinking, why is he here? I know why I'm here. He's done nothing amiss, he says. But why is he here? Can it be true? Can it be true that this is the man that is the Messiah? That He is the Savior? But but look, look how He's treating those that are persecuting Him. And at that time, as Jesus reaches out and says, Lord, forgive them, Jesus is literally painting the picture of the words that He had preached so many months earlier. When Jesus said, Lord, love your neighbor. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them, which despitefully use you, and persecute you. The very situation that Jesus found himself in. Jesus asked God to forgive him for what he had just done. He asked God to forgive the man on the cross for what he had just done. And as I considered that, I wondered. Was this possibly the first time anyone had ever prayed for this man? Had anyone ever lifted up their voice to God and prayed for him in his life? You may be here today and you feel that no one's ever prayed for you before either. I can guarantee you that is not true. We've been praying all week for you here today. We've been praying last night, our deacons meeting yesterday, we prayed this morning. We've been praying that you would hear the word of God. Conviction sets in in this man. He saw his sinfulness in light of the sinless Savior that was right next to him. Do you see that today in your life? do reward for his deeds and our deeds. But in the realization of his sin, we note that he stops talking to the other thief. He stops listening to the world around him at that time that we're in the same dire situation as him. Because why talk to somebody that's in the same boat with you? If you're in a sinking ship, talking to the other passengers that are sinking with you is not going to help you. And it's not going to help you today either. He took his eyes off the other man. He took his eyes off the world around him that was mocking Jesus. And in verse 42, we see his salvation. He looks to Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says to him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he calls him Lord. This man saw something. Now, this is incredible. This man saw something this day in Jesus Christ that no one else saw that day. His disciples didn't see it. He saw, he saw faith that Jesus was the Messiah. And in our terms, in today's world, we would say he saw Him as the Savior of the world. He saw the savior, Him as the Savior of Himself Jesus was his Savior. And this has always been the way. By faith, we look to the Lord for salvation. If you're looking for other ways, there is no other way. It has always been look to Jesus for salvation. In Numbers chapter 21, 8, the Israelites, they're in the desert and they're they're dying and and they're being bitten, and they're instructed by Moses to look and live at something that was placed up onto a pole. And Jesus, using this this analogy, speaks to a religious leader named Nicodemus in John 3 and says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, be lifted up. Why? Why? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look to Jesus lifted up on the cross dying for your sin and live who knew that this first man would be to look at Jesus Christ to live would be the person that this unnamed thief that's just right next to Jesus Christ who knew it was going to be him the same is true today is the Holy Spirit, if He's convicting you of your sin, you need to look to Jesus and live. Look to Jesus in faith. And I promise you, no matter your age, no matter what your demographic is of life, He will save you. The chief priests mocked Jesus, but they didn't know they had it almost correct. They said, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. It wasn't that He couldn't save himself, said so he chose not to save himself, but he chose to save us instead. Every sacrifice, as we've preached over the last few months, every sacrifice dies in the place of the one they are dying for. And Jesus Christ died in your place and in my place. So that we might be saved. because Remember, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus died in our place. And look to Jesus today. Look at Jesus' response that's up on the screen. Jesus says to the man, after he cries out to him, he says, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This defies what man thinks. The rules and the logic of the religious. The conventional wisdom as we see it. See, hear what, we, see what we have here. Here was a man dying in his sin. He had nothing to give the world. Nothing to give the world. Here in faith alone, he looked to Jesus for salvation and he was saved. He was a man dying in his sin, nothing to give, and a man that's saved. Here's the defying. He never attended a church service in fact there wasn't a church at that point it was just being started he never attended a church service he never had the chance to go through baptismal waters and be baptized to be a, a witness to the rest of the world it was not part of salvation and it is still not man this man was saved and he never had a chance to take the lord's supper he never took the sacraments This man was saved and he never confessed his sins to a priest or did any penance. This man was saved and he never gave a dime to a church, a synagogue, or whatever. He didn't turn over a new leaf. He didn't have more good outweighing his bad. He wasn't a good neighbor attending to the social needs of the day, no matter how good those might be. This man was saved like every person that has ever been saved by faith alone. The verse up there reads, for by grace are you saved, how? Through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Please hear me. It is not in our religious duty It is not in the world's balance of deeds. We cannot, you cannot earn your salvation. We can't go in on our own. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ, death in our place and resurrection. And I want you to note that Jesus said to that man, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus would, in just a few moments after speaking to this man, he would die. He would give up the ghost and he would die. And Jesus promised him that he would see him that day. And so it was. And so it is with everyone that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. When death comes for us, there is no purgatory. There is no soul sleep. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Today. Today we will be with the Lord when we, when we pass from this earth. And I, friend, I ask you to see this man. Everything was pointing him away from God. Everything. He's dying on the cross. It's just moments before he passes and everything is pointing him away from God. But he listened To Jesus and he looked at him and it made all the difference in the world it would be just a few hours after Jesus passes that both he and the other thief would die we're told in scripture later on because of the Jewish Sabbath that was coming up that they would come alongside and try to speed up the crucifixion and they would break both of the the men's legs So that they could not push up to gain air and they would both die. Death was certain for both men. The one thief that we've been speaking about, he believed. He believed in Jesus Christ and he could sing, I Can Go In. And you know what? He's been in heaven with the Lord now for 2,000 years. Think about that. He will be there when we arrive. The other thief rejected Christ, mocked Christ. And just as our first thief is in heaven with the Lord, this man has remained in hell. And one day, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. God sees no joy in that. God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And he loved you so much, that's why he sent Jesus Christ. But both men had the same opportunity. The second man chose not to believe and to die in his sin. Now you and I aren't hanging on crosses, and I'm very glad for that, and I'm sure you are as well, but death is looming in our life. It doesn't matter how old we are, death will come in our life, and we all have the same opportunity the chief priests that were there that day, they had the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. The proconsul of that area, the chief leader, uh, Pilate, he had the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. The King Herod that was, Jesus was sent to for a brief moment, he had an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. The soldiers that placed Jesus on the cross had an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. But only one man, the dying thief, chose to look and live. Friend, you have the same opportunity today. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I'd ask you to bow your heads. Is there someone here today that has not accepted Jesus Christ? You've not looked to Jesus for your salvation. But you know you need to. I'm not going to call you out, but would you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Any here today that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Anyone at all? I don't care if you've been coming to church here for decades. If this is your first day here, I promise you I will not embarrass you or call you out, but I want to pray for you. Anyone that doesn't know Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of invitation, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to burden the hearts of those that don't know Christ, that they would reach out to you, that they would look to you for their salvation that they would pray and claiming Jesus as their Savior, realizing the sin in their life has separated them from You for eternity. Don't let them leave this place, dear Heavenly Father, before they they speak to You and they pray to You. I ask You to just give them the courage maybe to speak to one of our altar workers that we could share with them out of the Word of God. Be with us as Christians that are here today that we would have the courage, the boldness, and the love to reach out to those in our community and to our family and friends and share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us so that they can believe as well. Be with us now at this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.